The scripture reading today is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth, to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and he came to her and said, Greetings, favoured one, the Lord is with you. But she was much perplexed by his words and pondered what sort of greeting this might be. The angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. And now you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be holy. He will be called Son of God. And now your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month for her who was said to be barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. Then Mary said, Here am I, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. Then the angel departed from her. The word of the Lord. Take a moment now for silent reflection. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you that you have given us this moment to be together. Help us to be present to your presence now. Help us to know that you have arranged this moment. Help us to believe that you see us in all of our complexity and your response is always to move towards us to heal and restore. Give us grace to believe that today. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So what did you see in that painting? As you look at that painting, as Mary is told this news, it's a couple things to notice, and we'll, we'll point out a few things later on as well. But first, I just want you to notice her face. She's a teenager, 13, 14 years old. She's a teenage girl getting ready for bed. I like how her toe is just kind of coming out from underneath the robe. Do you see that? And, and how just the, uh, um, the, the radiance of her face and her, her hands clasped. Maybe she was praying before she was going to bed in the artist's vision of this. The light shines on her face. And this beautiful teenage little girl in this painting is also someone who lives in a military occupation. The world she lives in is filled with soldiers standing by who aren't supposed to be there necessarily, who don't speak her language. Broderick Greer, one of my favorite uh, young theologians in the Episcopal Church, said this way. He said, It's difficult for people who have never experienced occupation to imagine the horror of having your autonomy and the autonomy of your people lost to a foreign military. 
You walk the streets of your village and there are soldiers standing at every intersection. Soldiers who don't share your language, values, or taste in food. Soldiers who view your body as one of the spoils of war. Soldiers who can enter your home at any moment to do whatever they will with your God-given dignity. No move that you make, no breath that you take goes unnoticed by the force that shouldn't be in your neighborhood in the first place. That's where Mary lives. But she doesn't live in Athens. She doesn't live in Jerusalem. She doesn't live in Rome. No, Nazareth. A little small kind of backwater community. Wouldn't expect great things to happen there, but God has a habit of showing up in the least expected places. And God, through this divine messenger, Gabriel, has come to Mary. So let's look, first of all, at the dialogue that's going on here. Some key messages, because I think what the angel says to Mary in some ways, not in every single way, but in many ways, saying this says, says that to us as well. And the first thing you see is, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And if you start to read the scriptures, you'll notice, you'll see that everywhere. Every time the divine shows up in some form or another, don't be afraid is what is said. It's what heaven has to say to human beings, to earth. Don't be afraid. When you get older like me, I mean, I'm 58, so some of you are like, that's not very old. Others of you realize and recognize that it's a person entering into their prime when they turn 58. Uh, but you get asked questions like, you know, what would you say to your younger self? What would I say to my, Fred, what would you say to your 20-year-old self, a 30-year-old self? I get this and I speak it for, at uh, pastor conferences. I'll say, what would you say? I say, well, first of all, I'd say get a therapist. <laughs> Don't wait so long. <laughs> I did. Start to untangle that story of yours. Start to understand how it has impacted you. Start to understand yourself, you know, so that you can develop some self-compassion. Because I want to tell you something. A person who has compassion for themselves and for others is a person who will also become fearless in life in new and profound ways. So they do kind of connect with one another. I would say to that 20 or 30-year-old, get a therapist and don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And then the angel says, you have found favor with God. And I would say, so have you. <laughs> so have you. God's default drive disposition towards you is love. As the Apostle John tells us, God is love. God is love. So let go of those toxic, angry God images you may have had slapped onto you like I did me, I know for sure. Let go of those. Because as Martin Luther said, Back in 1532 at a Christmas Eve sermon, God is not at enmity with us human beings. <laughs> I love that little sentence. God is not at enmity with us human beings. I mean, just look at the painting. I think that there's something maybe the artist is trying to help us see as well. Because you don't see Mary doing this or cowering in fear, but leaning in. I almost can hear her saying, you have my attention. Convince me now. Say more. And does the angel ever say more? <laughs> the next thing is, you will conceive in your womb and, bore, and bear a son, and you name him Yahweh's salvation, Yeshua, Jesus. Now, I can tell you the one thing that's not going through Mary's mind at this moment, and that's understanding what this angel is saying, because it's preposterous. Absolutely preposterous. There's no way she can really understand what the angel is saying, but she can believe what she doesn't understand. Or as Augustine put it all those centuries ago, faith seeking understanding 
is probably a much more healthy understanding of belief in general. She can believe, but not necessarily get it all. We do this all the time here. Each week, we gather together. And what do I say here? We declare the, we've got it all figured out of the faith. No. What do we say? The mystery of the faith. Christ has died. I understand that. I read a lot about it. It was a historic event. People wrote about it. I get that one. Christ is risen. Eh, you know, I mean, I, I believe that, but don't ask me to understand that entirely. I've not really met anybody that walked through a wall before. And so, but I believe it. I stake my life on it. Christ will come again. I'm real confused about that one. <laughs> I mean, I have no, there were so many surprises in the first advent of Jesus, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of surprises in the second. But it doesn't keep me from believing. Like Mary, you don't have to understand it entirely to believe it. Now, having said that, Mary has questions. Mary has questions. And, and it's a very personal question. But she goes straight to the heart of the matter. And she says, how can this be since I'm a virgin? How can this be? What a courageous girl. Will Gaffney, the Old Testament scholar, puts it this way. She's in, a, in an article that she wrote called, Did Mary Have a Me Too Moment in the Annunciation? She says, even in the Iron Age, in an androcentric and patriarchal culture, Mary knows her body belongs to her. She doesn't ask what her father will say, what about the shame this would likely bring on her, her family, their name. Instead, she testifies to the integrity of her body under her control in her question, how can this be? In a world that did not necessarily recognize her sole ownership of her body, this very young woman had the dignity, courage, and temerity to question a messenger of the living God about what would happen to her body before giving her consent. That's important. Before Mary said yes, she said, wait a minute. Explain this to me. Explain this to me. And the angel says, well, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. The Holy Spirit is going to come over you. Daniel Meter, one of my colleagues in ministry, said, And just as the Spirit at creation brooded upon the waters of the deep, so now the Holy Spirit rests upon the waters of Mary's womb in order to bring about a new creation, a new humanity. Her son will be the firstborn of that new creation. So not just a new Adam, but a whole new creation. And how does Mary answer? Powerful words. Here am I. Here am I. Have you heard that before? This is echoing Abraham when Abraham was called by God to do something. Here am I. This is what Isaiah said. Here am I. Her response is strong. It is a strong response. It is a consensual response. It is a courageous response. It is fierce. When she says the words, here am I. So that's the dialogue. What's that mean for me and you? Quick applications. First of all, Mary's yes and your yes. Mary's yes and your yes. Her yes is made in what we might call liminal space. One way of thinking about liminal space is a trapeze artist as they're hanging on the bar, flying through the air, and they let go of one bar, but the other bar is not there quite yet. And in that moment, trusting that moment, that's a liminal space. And in many ways, we're all living in liminal space right now, aren't we? I mean, this pandemic has 
pretty much stuck us into it whether we wanted it or not. It's a situation where we don't know how it's always going to turn out. We don't have any power to fix it necessarily. There's been a lot of ways. In fact, I would say the pandemic has been one, one long advent. <laughs> Just waiting. A lot of waiting we're doing right now. Trusting, hoping, waiting, fighting despair. You've had to say yes without understanding about your own career, perhaps, or your kids, or your job, your future. Let's just say something about the future. We could say, you know, the future's bright, and I believe it is, because I believe in resurrection. So we could say the future's bright and all that, but you know the most, if we were really being serious, the future is a little bit blurry for a lot of us right now, and that's okay. That's the space we're in, and that's the space in which Mary said yes. A few verses later, she's going to visit her cousin Elizabeth. That's next week's sermon, um, the visitation. And Elizabeth is going to say to her that she is blessed. And then Mary's going to kind of find her own voice, and that's two weeks away's sermon, the Magnificat, and she sings a great song and says that all the generations are going to be blessed because of her. So I wonder what that word blessed meant for Mary. I mean, did she feel blessed when people noticed the growing, unwed belly of hers as they scrutinized her? I wonder if that felt like blessed. I wonder if she felt blessed when she had to give birth to that child in a cave. I wonder if she felt blessed when her heart sank when she realized that she left her 12-year-old in the temple. I wonder if she felt blessed when she saw her own son murdered by the state on a criminal's cross. I wonder if she felt blessed then. See, if you go look back at the painting for one more time here, you'll see the light on the left. And watch how the angel's light intersects with that shelf there on the wall. And what people who know more about art than I do talk about this painting, they say that's in the shape of a cross for a reason, and that Mary is literally looking at the cross that she is going to bear. Hmm. Her yes was fierce. And it wasn't because she had expectations that everything was just going to be awesome. <laughs> it's because she had expectations that God can create something out of nothing. Those were her expectations. Her yes was fierce. Can you have that kind of an expectation? Can that be your yes this Advent season? Because to experience Christmas is to trust that God can do all of this again and again and again. To experience Christmas truly is to believe that God can again be born in me, in you, in this brokenness mess of a gorgeous world that we live in. One last ancient quote, St. Gregory of Nyssa, I think my favorite quote of the day. What was achieved in the body of Mary will happen in the soul of everyone who receives the word. Think about that for a minute. We are invited to say yes to birthing something holy in this world that will bring hope and restoration to it. You're invited to do that. Bethlehem is not the only place God brings something holy about through a human being who will cooperate with God. 
I see it happening every time we gather. This is why it's so important that we gather. I'm so glad we can more and more. And as we feel more comfortable doing it, we need you to gather because there are holy births that need to be happening in our community. And it happens through people. When we love and teach our children and welcome them well and surround them with really positive adults, you know what we're doing? We're birthing something holy into this world. When people come to gather together on a Sunday to re-narrate their lives around the life of Jesus, and they're welcomed and they're told they belong, and they sense and feel they belong because you are there, and you're welcoming them yourself, something holy is birthed into this world. When pastors sit with people and pray and listen and walk through life together, something holy is birthed in the world. When you feed the poor, when you share your resources, when you call that friend who nobody else really wants to call because they're difficult for whatever reason, something holy is being birthed in the world. See, it happens all the time. Holy things are still being birthed in this world by those who will say yes to God. Holy things are being birthed still in this world by those who will say yes to God. God invites us like Mary to trust, to hope, to step out. But how does she get there? How does she get to a place of that holy yes in the middle of liminal space, not knowing how it's going to turn out, not really understanding it completely, but saying yes to birth something holy in the world? I think you go back to what else that angel said to her. You have found favor with God. The divine messenger grounds her identity in God's love. And in God's love alone. Not in accomplishments, not in grades, not in the GPA. If you still have to worry about a GPA, God bless you. <laughs> not in your bank account, not in your career. No. Grounded identity in God's love. That, I think, has to have had an impact on Mary's capacity to say yes in this moment. Because the first yes is God's yes to you. That's the first yes to you, a divine yes that when it took on flesh and blood, walked this face of this earth full of grace and truth, was buried, died, and rose again on the third day. That yes. That's the yes we have in this bread and this wine. So you, as we say each week, can become what you receive and say yes back to God. This Christmas, this Christmas, like Mary. See, Mary, Mary felt her soul's worth. I wonder if today you can access that as well. That this Christmas will be this combination of found favor with God. God loves me. I'm grounding myself in that. If that's really true, what are those things I need to say yes to right now?
So we have these purple ribbons for you there on the tables. And uh, if you haven't already started doodling on them, uh, you, can still, you can still participate. You have little white crayons there. And we're going to encourage you as an embodied practice today. Normally we'd have, you know, the candles and things like that. We're going to do, we're going to have you write out on that purple ribbon. Whatever's coming up for you right now, write out an intention. This Advent, I'm going to lean in this direction. This Advent, I'm going to say yes to this. What is it for you? And when you come up for communion, you can just simply tie it on the tree here, on one of these branches. As we together as a community today try to say yes to God in whatever ways, God is right now calling us to birth something holy in this world. Let's pray. Gracious God, help us today, however we find ourselves at this moment, to hear you. What is the word in this sermon today that I really needed to hear? Maybe it's don't be afraid. Maybe it's you found favor with God. Maybe it's an invitation to birth something holy into this world. Give us grace today, we pray, out of the firm foundation of your love for us to think in new and creative, imaginative ways about how this year, as we start this new year on Advent 1, we might be saying yes to you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.